Welcome to another episode of the Big Footy Tiger Cast. I've got light this week in the room. I changed the light bulb, CB. You'll be pretty happy to know that. I'm not sitting here with a phone torch on this week. Uh, although there was reports that my work last week was a lot better in the dark, so maybe it's something I have to uh, to look at changing. But now we're back after another good win with Dreamtime at the G. It's always a very special occasion, uh, and the boys put in a pretty good performance. Uh, for tonight's show, we have an opposition guest joining us as well. But first, I'll introduce officially Captain Blood Seventeen. Welcome to the show. Back to back episodes. Yeah, thank you for having me. And um, I'd just like to let you know, mate, I used to do my work, best work in the dark after midnight as well. I figured that uh, something like that was going to pop up when I said that. Oh, I might have walked into something here. <laughs> now you're pushing through a bit of a flu as well, so I appreciate you uh, taking some uh, all the drugs that the chemist gave you and coming on. Uh, look. All you female listeners out there, you just need to understand man flu is far more superior and painful to get through than childbirth. Right? Yeah, just get over and it. Childbirth. <laughs> in fact. Yep. Wow, he's gone zero to 100 there. So, <laughs> real quick. No, it's not nice. But hopefully you feel better soon, mate. But uh, no, appreciate you coming on. And joining us from the North Board, who has been on a podcast with both of us before, actually, but for a different part of the board, Snake Baker. Welcome to the show, mate. G'day, Michaels. G'day, Captain. How are you tonight, fellas? Going well. I'm excited. Yeah, you are excited. And it's interesting because, I mean, we talk a little bit in PM and it's all going well, but there's obviously a, a bit of a long-standing relationship between Richmond Posters and yourself, Snakebake. A bit of banter along the way. I think that's fair to say, isn't it? Yeah, uh, well, you know, there was the uh, dusty episode. People sort of got a bit carried away with all of that and... Uh, we have a we have a laugh now and then, but I generally get along well with Richmond people. They're one of the big four clubs that actually know what it's like to have a bad run, so they t- tend to be a bit more balanced, especially the older punters. Yeah, thirty-seven years I think qualifies for more than a bad run. I reckon that's uh, more than my entire life <laughs> my lifespan. But I appreciate you coming on. Before we get stuck into our games from last week in a mini-review, just a couple of hot topics that have popped up this week. It's been a bit of an exciting week in the AFL for various reasons. Uh, the most exciting one being that Ablett actually finally got a week, uh, believe it or not. Couldn't couldn't believe it. Thought they'd find a way to get him off. Um, the reason I bring this up is, Snake, you made a couple of really humorous posts the last couple of weeks when he avoided uh, some charges. I don't want to say glad because that's like you don't you don't want to see people suspended, but we're finally happy that the MRO got one right and actually rubbed him out. Uh, I'm the sort of bloke, mate. I'm never happy when anyone's pinched, but uh, uh, basically it just pisses me off the the whole marketing aspect changing the rules of the game. Somebody like. Uh, junior you know very marketable sort of person and he gets treated with they, they even openly say it now commentators oh you know icon of the game ornament of the game surely they won't rub him out which is just bullshit the rules are, are the rules they're evenly applied or they're not he got rubbed out uh, even judge jared couldn't save him this time as north fans go we tend to apply the zebel factor you know what would jack <laughs> zebel get for that same incident I'd, I'd rate that at about 12 weeks and funny you say that, because even from his incident last week, I think I saw on Twitter, Mitch Robinson actually tweeted saying, if that was me, I would have got three or four weeks. And with the, I think the elbow to your player, I think it might have been even. Um, and I reckon he's right. It's, it's scary that it depends on who the player is. 
Well, that's the thing, mate. It's it's not the fact that I don't think any of these things are, are real uh, big issues myself, you know, but uh, the fact that they'll one week they'll pull out some ridiculous uh, overexerted b- bump and the next week uh, smacking a bloke or elbowing a bloke, uh, glancing that to the jurors, just disregarded, just goes to show you how the stupidity of the game now. Even the rule interpretations on a week-by-week basis frustrate all of the supporters. It's not a club-dependent thing. No, that's right. And I think that's actually one thing I've found this year is a lot more supporters uh, uniting on that front, I suppose, that none of us feel like we don't know the rules anymore, um, especially the holding the ball incorrect disposal rule. I think that's the top of the list with the most confusing rules of the game so far. Yeah, well, the throw in the last game I saw with the Bulldogs, mate, the throw was the big issue. It tended to be that, uh, so, you know, some uh, throws and drops were, were called and other ones that were absolutely much more blatant were just let go. Three people on the ground. You know, it, it, it's just, it, it's become very hard to umpire the game and uh, it's led to the frustration we all have in this, this uh, tribunal business. Well, you know, uh, Gary's been pinched for this now. I look forward to somebody smacking him back in the head, to be honest. We're just unlucky, yeah. Sydney. He's not here for Sydney Stack to run through him, Snake. Last week, that was my fantasy, was uh, watching Sydney just uh, clip him from a nice long you know, 20 metre run off the ball. Would have been delicious. No, I'll be back for our right. game. Hey, you will too. Yeah, Look, Sydney Stack, if you're listening, if you're listening, that's your MO. I don't care what you do, don't get a kick, just knock him out. <laughs> oh, gee. Uh... Uh, it would be interesting to see uh, the reception that he gets from the Richmond faithful. Um, I'm tipping it's not going to be very pleasant, um, just quietly. But the other big thing that happened this week or yesterday was the mid-season draft for the first time in 20-odd years, I think it was. Uh, CB, the Tigers decided to take a punt on WA star Marlian Pickett with pick 13 in the draft. 27 years old, father of four, plays for South Fremantle. Uh, broke his finger last week for the second time, I think it was, and they've sort of got him down to miss eight to ten weeks, roughly, depending on who you ask. But from all reports, you look at all the different media outlets, even um, former players in WA and things like that have all said, super pickup. Uh, he's got all the tools to, to become a great player who can play a good role for the club. What would you make of the selection? Uh, absolutely outstanding. Um <laughs> Like I said, you actually beat me too. Like from every, from all angles, everybody's saying this is a very astute pickup. Um, there hasn't been any negative uh, comments about it at all. Um, and what a good story, you know, from a troubled, clearly a troubled young man, now gets his shot out at twenty-seven. You know, it's like a footy footy dream, isn't it? That this guy yeah. hopefully gets to live out. And um, and you think Richmond's a very, a very strong club culturally, so we would have the right mechanisms in place to um, help this guy transition and hopefully make him become an even better footballer and a valuable contributor to our club and to the wider community. It'd be fantastic. I think we will. And being 27 years old, he knows this is his one and only chance at, at making it and having a real crack at it. So you know you're going to get 100% from him. It's like that. What was that? Was that Robert Redford movie, that baseball one? A Field of Dreams? This guy's got you know, his Field of Dreams, mate. You know, I like I said, it was a very astute pick-up. Um, it's kind of... I look at our pick and think, I know there was a big debate over the integrity over it. People have been, some people have been saying, ah, it's not, the purpose wasn't to stockpile future picks and things like that. But if you look at what we've done, um, we've probably used it in the right context. Uh, we've used it on a 27 year old who's been overlooked for how many drafts? Everybody's known about him. Um, so I think Richmond actually used the uh, mid season draft in the correct context that it was used for. 
it's funny you say that because I actually made comment yesterday that if I was a club um, going into this draft, I'd be looking at the top age players in the TAC Cup who maybe went for the draft last year as a bottom major, got overlooked and have gone back again to have another crack because that's where your long-term investment is. But I, understand, I, I know what you mean. That's not in the spirit of what the rule is, but clubs are going to do whatever they have to do to get an advantage at the end of the day. There's nothing to stop them from doing it. Um, and it's just how it was. I think the only thing, I think, uh, I can't remember who, who raised the point on the main board. It's been raised on our board as well. Probably the only thing that needs to be looked at is probably a form of compensation um, for the clubs that lose a player. Whether they, whether you can get, you know, they can put a couple of extra rookies on during the year or do they get, you know, 70000 bucks compensation for losing a player, you know, so they can then recruit. There has to be, it has to be a little bit more thought out behind the scenes so the ripple effect isn't as dramatic. Um, so I do feel for the clubs that have lost you. Know, imagine, you know, you, you top the ladder, your ruckman's dominating, all of a sudden he gets ripped out from your club. It's a pretty dramatic thing to happen. So there probably needs to be a little bit more thought around that. But I, I'm certainly not against the concept of a mid-season draft to help clubs out. And Snake, you guys took Lachlan Hosey, I hope I said that correctly, at pick five from Glenelg, playing in the Sandville, 22-year-old Ford, 189 centimetres, and he's currently leading the Sandville goal-kicking with 21 goals from eight games. Uh, have you seen much of him? Yeah, well, uh, well, I've got to actually. Basically, all I've seen or known about the bloke is uh, what the giant Rue put up on our board. So thanks to him, uh, Lachlan Hosey. Yeah, he's got the name that sounds like a character out of Boardwalk Empire or Peaky Blinders, doesn't he? Uh, <laughs> Two looks very good shows there, Snake. Yes. Uh, well, I'm a big Lockie H fan. I was a big Lockie Hanson fan. The great marking and whippersnipping genius from Nanagoon. So uh, hopefully this kid, uh, this kid's uh, equally as talented. Uh, I've had a look at a couple of his clips. Uh, he looks like he plays taller than any size. He can mark a bit. Appears to have very good one-touch hands, which uh, is an essential if you're going to play AFL footy, and a fairly good uh, goal sense. Ultimately, who knows? He'll come over here, and I'll, I'll check him out proper when he plays VFL. I'll get along and analyse the boys here a bit. I reckon it'll be a win if any of these people, were, these young fellas we picked up, end up putting together 50 or more games of AFL footy, really. But uh, good luck to Lockie. Good luck to the young kid you blokes picked up. And, uh, yeah, hopefully uh, we get something out of him and they get something out of it. Do you reckon there's a spot in your team currently for him to play as a, a second forward? you obviously got Ben Brown, uh, Mason Wood, oh. plays forward occasionally. Well, but looking at him, he's a little bit tweener in style. We've got Mason Wood. We've got Kane Turner. Mark is a fair mark and player for a bloke his size. Uh, Taylor Garner, whose form's been patchy as well. Uh, so it remains to be seen. I mean, I'll wait till I have a look at him, mate. Uh, at 22 years of age, they say, it says he's only 79 kilos at 22 years of age, 189 centimetres which is a little bit of concern for me. I always prefer him to have a bit of extra size, particularly in the AFL, but uh, it'll just come down to his raw talent. He didn't look particularly quick from what I saw, but uh, definitely good sense and uh, good skills, one touch. So uh, uh, who's to know? Do I think he'll play straight away? Probably not, mate. Uh, We've got two or three blokes like that in the seconds that are capable. Taylor Garner, you'd expect he'll get another run soon, but uh, who knows? We'll have to have a look at him. I think end of the day, it's just good to see another batch of uh, players getting a crack to live their AFL dream. And, and what you said, CB, is true, though. The clubs do need to be compensated accordingly. Um, but I think it's the ultimate aim for kids and um, young men these days is to play that AFL game. So to be given an, an extra opportunity to do so it can only be a good thing, I think, in the long run. 
And there was another small incident that happened during the week. You might have seen it, Snake, on the news. Brad Scott <laughs> stepped down as a coach of North Melbourne. I'm not sure if that came across your your desk at all during the week. Yes, mate. I've uh, I've booked in to get the box set mini series of the saga, and uh, we'll see how we go with that. But if you've got a minute or two, I'll have a bit of a rant about Brad when you're ready, mate. Yeah, go for it. All right. Well. Analyse Brad, you've got to look at his longevity, I suppose. Uh, that's a factor in the unusual circumstances that surround his career. Uh, being a bloke that coached the most games without ever making a grand final or uh, winning a premiership or making a grand final for that matter. You know, he came in in 2010 when the club had undergone its first real serious rebuild in about 20 years. Dean Laidley never got that go, unfortunately. Now, there were initial floggings and then about you know, I thought, oh, this bloke, I don't, you know, I don't really rate him much. At the time, I wasn't a big fan of him at all. If he, but about 2013, 2014, just in time, they turned the corner. And uh, 2015, uh, we, we played some good footy as well. And uh, 2016, I thought we were actually stiff. Uh, we could have contended that year uh, when you went and see how the finals played out. But uh, we had uh, serious injuries halfway through the season there. Eight, nine or ten blokes about when we had a bit, we were flying about round 11. I think we were on top of the ladder nearly. And uh, it all fell in a hole. They decided to rebuild. And, uh, you know, 2017, we went through that uh, process. And, uh, uh, sorry, uh, uh, 2018 was encouraging, but it all fell flat in its face this year and uh, apparently rumours are he wanted to go back to the well again you know uh, politically uh, I think Brad's longevity can be put down to uh, the fact that he's media very media savvy uh, whereas uh, Dean Laidley uh, was uh, basically hopeless in as that, that aspect of uh, footy and it was refreshing for North people uh, and he was also politically savvy enough to negotiate the uh, the climate at North Melbourne that came uh, with James when he came into the club. I think he knew how to play the uh, people down there a little bit and play the game. Anyway, that's the longevity aspect looked at. The reason, well, you know, the notion that you come into an AFL season to continue pre-season training is, should be unacceptable for any people at any club or any supporters. And uh, our preparation was abominable. I'll give you, for example... Uh, the Fremantle game, and I actually took this information pretty much off a poster on our board. I don't know the name now, but thank, thank you. Uh, the Frio game, uh, Frio kicked 141 points against us, but in the following nine matches, they've averaged 68 points. That gives you an idea about how bad we were and just how unprepared we were for the uh, new, new style of football, which this coach of ours was uh, a part of uh, putting together. The Good Friday uh, debacle versus the the worst team in the history of football in the Essendon uh, wasn't good. Uh, that, that's it's bad. And the continual inefficiency and over possession, handball happy uh, way we play football. Uh, some statistics. I mean, we're currently last in the AFL for kicks and first for handballs. Sixteen ahead of the next side. We're fourth for total disposals. Uh, second in uncontested disposals. Yet we're last for metres, gains, contested marks and tackles. Now, uh, I would say to you, blokes, uh, that's fairly un-North Melbourne. Uh, if, if you look at uh, the, the sort of football the club has played over the years. It's certainly numbers uh, the, that are going to struggle to have you win games, essentially. Like those key stats, you need to have high numbers, don't you? You, you can't be last in those categories and think you're going to win. Well, 
it's all about efficiency as far as I'm concerned, mate. I'm pretty simple bloke. And at the end of the day, you can win games of football with pretty simple formulas. The media conferences became, you know, they're like watching a program automaton. He just talked at you and not to you. I think he got far too comfortable and there was a serious member backlash that uh, uh, particularly, you know, representative on our borders, which is where the club can get some public input uh, because uh, we don't uh, gather anywhere else to talk to the North fans. I mean, the crowds were down. You definitely knew, noticed when a few thousand are missing from a North home game. It stands out. They were down, no doubt about it. There were board challenge murmurs surfacing and the, the board had to act for its own safety in the end as far as I'm concerned. Uh, the ending of it all uh, was basically, I thought, an, an orchestrated exercise. Uh, yeah, I think so. It just uh, uh, yeah, for, it come across yeah, that it, way, it, for, best for both parties. Yeah, it's basically put up for the media, the fans, and uh, for, you know to help out you know Brad's career in transition, in order to stave off what would have been an inevitable uh, bloody public execution. As far as I'm concerned. Uh, Brad was. It's also politically savvy enough to see the writing on the wall. I reckon no doubt knew yeah. his time was coming up. Even if he wasn't in another contract, supporters were unhappy. As I said, the crowds were down. We we're hearing the same old spiel every week. He just knew it was over. Uh, as far as it goes, you know, I wish him the best. I th- genuinely believe he gave his all and had best intentions. But uh, as Saint Bernard of Clairvaux stated in the 11th century, uh, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. We were certainly on that road, and it was time to change direction. Fair enough. Think, and uh, yeah. as Richard supporters, we Brad, can... uh, Yeah. Moving ahead for Brad, I think uh, his spruik factor would probably suit him for a media career as his best choice, but best of luck in whatever he chooses. The future for us, uh, we, we continue to get a chance to survive because we certainly have to be a viable football team to do that. We're, we're not, definitely not off struggle street yet. I don't believe the club's out of the woods post-2007 until we get a sustained run of success. The focus now shifts to the North Board, who I haven't been a rap for, and uh, but uh, they need to rectify things. Otherwise, uh, we, the members, have the ultimate responsibility to act. Keep watching for the next 12 months. And Reece Shaw taking over, what do you make of him? Is he, well, is he the right candidate to take over, or was he the only choice? Well, uh, mid-season, it's obviously going to be that. Otherwise, it, it, you know, I don't think the club's going to go through a apparently quite a broad process of looking at all departments and then uh, going through the football department as well. But obviously, he's got ability. He's the AFL co- assistant coach of the year twice. And uh, apart from the round one debacle, uh, I think our defence has been good and not a major reason for our poor form. Won't be easy for him considering he would have uh, wouldn't have planned for this and. I had a brief chat with Reese actually, and he came across a very upfront, practical sort of bloke. It didn't automatically switch into some media persona, which was refreshing. So it'll be interesting to see what unfolds. Yes, well, uh, being Richmond supporters, we can certainly offer some sympathy for having a caretaker coach and all this happening. It's happened to us many a time, CB, hasn't it? Uh, maybe a couple of times. Maybe a couple. <laughs> <laughs> maybe a couple. <laughs> I've got these blank spots in my uh, football sporting career, but yeah, I sort of black out at certain times. <laughs> yeah, and no, I think a lot of us have done that. But I think ultimately it was the right move for North and for Brad. But um, it's just going to be... I-, I wish it didn't happen this week just because of the whole bounce-back factor. It, yeah, it's. I'd love to see the success rate of teams playing their first game under a caretaker coach because even when we were shit, and Jade Rawlings took over. I'm pretty sure we won our first game. And I, I, I can't remember who it was against, but yeah, I just the players are going to be up and about for it. But we'll get to that a little bit well, later you, on. Well, you got to remember, though, you got to remember now, now with the with the new broom, as I say, new broom sweeps cleanest. 
Um, there are blokes that might have been a bit comfortable on the North Melbourne list. All of a sudden, they've got to start performing again. You know what I mean? So it, it actually encourages performance. You know, blokes, you're going to have to put their head over the ball and, and, and do the hard yards because, you know, when the new bloke comes in, if it's not really short at the end of the season, then some pretty hard decisions could be made. So they're going to have to crack in. Yeah, I think that's a fair call. Uh, we'll take a quick look at our games from last week. CB, Tigers played Essendon. Uh, we won by 23 points, which I boldly predicted on the podcast last week, but I'm pretty happy with myself that I got that one right, actually. I listened back to the end of it, and I thought, I reckon I was close here, and sure enough, I nailed it. Uh, strong first three quarters. The last quarter was pretty dismal by us, to be honest, given they were two players down. Did you... Exp- I mean, I know you thought we were probably going to win by a bit more, but were you impressed with our first three quarters, given the conditions? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, they were pretty pretty bloody hard conditions. For anyone who was at the game, it was absolutely flogging down those first three quarters. It was horrible. Um, so it was very – it was a tough game, and the, probably the skills indicated that as well. Um, and I was actually surprised because Essendon normally – the last couple of times we played them in sort of wet weather and that, they play a bit of a high-possession game and it breaks down, but they were a bit more direct, I thought, this time around. Um, first three quarters, we looked great. Uh, I'll say this. We, we're – I wonder now whether some of those kids are going to be tight. Like, we've had a lot of fill-ins and whether, you know, previously, last couple of years, we've been in those positions we've put the foot down and absolutely flogged teams from six to eight goals. But just whether that we're going to be tight and we're just starting to lose a little bit of run, uh, you know, at the back end of games, because it's, it's not just this game where it's happened, is it? It's actually happened no. three or four times this year, so... I just wonder if the, the kids get a bit tired. You know, high-intensity game. They get a bit tired by the end of it. Foot goes off the pedal, and um, there's a bit of junk time that goes against us. I think there's I a bit in that. Bit the case. Yeah, it's... Um, you kind of have those peaks and troughs. You know, we have, we've been in, in pretty good form the last few weeks, and it's like, are they going to tire out at some point? But, yeah, whether it's calculated or whether it's just by accident they switch off, who knows? But, yeah, I'd rather we didn't do it, but I, I get why they might do it. Uh, some individual good efforts we had on the weekend. Grimes, I thought, was outstanding down back. It, those two goal line spoils saved certain goals when Essendon had momentum. I think that really kept us in the game. Basher Hawley, career best form, 37 disposals. Uh, Martin, 35 touches was good. Noel Bolter, 16 contested possessions. Dion Presti is in red-hot form. Um, but I want to give a big shout-out to Liam Baker. His best game for the club so far. His hands in the wet and his skill level was quite incredible, to be honest. 24 disposals, 12 contested possessions, 4 marks, 9 tackles, which has earned him our first NAB Rising Star Award for the year. So, big congratulations to Liam Baker. What did you make of his game? Wonderful. Uh, he was he was one of the few that was handling it like it was dry. And I'm, I'm a fan of Liam anyway. Um, but he, he he's played some seriously good footy this year. And uh, some of his marking, like that marker, he was running back for the ball. Yeah. You know, and he died. Like, it was just, yeah, he's been he's been wonderful this year. And uh, I hope it continues. He's a, he's a wonderful young man. Now, he's a, is he a rookie that's playing? Or is he on our list now? No, I'm pretty sure we he's on the list. Him, I think we did. He's on the list now. Yeah, yeah. No, he's playing wonderful. And I just want to say this about Dylan Grimes. If he doesn't make All Australian this year, I'm going to personally book a big truck of chicken shit and we're going to dump it at AFL HQ. <laughs> he has to be AA this year, surely, with the, with the way he's playing. He's been phenomenal. He's been huge. Uh, if it wasn't for him, we would have lost a lot more games, to be honest. So I think now he's starting to get the recognition he probably hasn't got in years gone by because Rant has probably taken that limelight from him, despite him doing 
the same things he's, he's doing now. But yeah, he's been super. Uh, and Snake, you guys knocked off the doggies by 25 points. Pretty good win. The, the biggest thing I noticed about your game, looking at the stats, was you had three five-goal quarters, the first, second, and the last. That's a pretty good return. Yeah, well, uh, we had we got the forward line open for a change, and we managed to get the ball in there fairly quick and, and well. Uh, you know, our forwards got going. Wood found space, and they actually passed well to him for a change. Larky took his marks. Brown uh, created a good contest. So, yeah, uh, look... In all honesty, the dogs were very poor. I thought the scoreboard flattered them at the end. Uh, North could have could have won by eight to ten goals. I thought their system was terrible, and uh, they, as far as they're concerned, they badly need a couple of quality big blokes at either end of the ground. Uh, what can I say? Uh, so, Norton, so Norton didn't play like Wayne Kerry against you, like he did against us. Well. Aaron Norton took a slight detour last week because he was sent to the principal's office. And unfortunately for him, Headmaster Tarrant was in on Saturday. Because, <laughs> okay, can, can I just say, looking at your stats, for a big guy, Todd Goldstein has had a 28-possession game with 57 hit-outs. That's amazing. That is freakish. <laughs> with seven grabs, that is... And, and he had, he had uh, five inside 50s. That's huge for a ruckman. That is huge. He played a very good game, but he's on a green kid in uh, Tim English. But uh, Todd's been very good for the last year and a half. He's only been really beaten once, you know, uh, and that was uh, Max Gorn gave him a touch-up in, I think it was round three last year. Uh, Besides that, he's been very good. He's played well. Uh, I think his palm work at the moment is unbelievable. Uh, you know, I think he even had the points on Grundy uh, when he played Collingwood last year. Grundy got a few touches. Todd went off for about 20 minutes and uh, Grundy got up and got a few touches, but I think he, he shaded him when they were against each other. Uh, well, he, well, what, Goldstein, what, what Goldstein did was what Tom Bell Chambers couldn't do against us. He was up against the first gamer and a kid who's playing his sixth game and he was actually, you know, he was getting his hand on a ball a fair bit, but they couldn't move the ball, but clearly uh, with a game like that, you guys, it just would have been all, all, all go with Todd Goldstein with that type of game. Well, it's, he certainly helped us, you know. He, he's, a, he's a good player, mate. He, he, he gave us some good service. I mean, the doggies basically in the guts. We, we bullied him. Anderson and, and Cunnington were manic. Uh, it got to the point where Bont and Pally and all the other Footscray uh, midfielders didn't even bother roving to English in any way. They... they uh, sat picked off uh, Cunnington and Anderson and the other North mids was there. They tried to get clearances, basically just picking off our blokes as the ball was going to them. It shows you how bad uh, bad things were going for them. Uh, Interesting on Cunnington, mate. Yeah, and I don't know if this is the usual for him. He had 29 disposal game, but 20 handballs and only six kicks. Uh, sorry, nine kicks. Apologies. Uh, that, is that a bit unusual for Cunnington to play that type of game where it's like so, so heavily skewed towards handball? Or is that just getting it out, just getting it moving forward? Oh, I think Cunnington may be leading the AFL stats for handballs, mate. I'll just get that up for you now. No, he's a big, he's a great handballer. Uh, he kicks when he gets out into space, but in the clinches he normally gets, you know, because he's not a burst player, he's second most yeah. handball. His average is 20.3 a week, mate. He's the second there most handballs go. in the comp. But uh, he, he's, he doesn't, his only downside is he doesn't have burst pace from the clearances. So he, he tends to feed out to other blokes who do, because he not, let's be frank, he wins a lot of ball. He's a little, he's a little thug on the inside. Uh, his kicking, though, is quite good, but it's Normally, when he gets out into space, or he gets into a run of a chain of play, things like that. That uh, Ben uh, will, will go ahead and kick the ball. 
Sean like... Higgins. Sean Higgins, thirty-four touches, laid five tackles, ten inside fifties. If we do not tag Sean Higgins, holy shit! We don't take anyone. It's going to be steel side bottom all over. I would be surprised if Josh Caddy goes to Sean Higgins. Truth be known, Josh Caddy will either go to Sean Higgins or Ben Cunnington this weekend. Bookmark it. I'm not sure he's got the pace to go with Higgins. Yeah, Sean's been getting a bit of the pill, but his disposal's been off this year. It hasn't been as anywhere near as good as it's been in the past. Uh, yeah, he's, get, he's getting some touches, but like I said, he's, his damage has been scrappy. He was very good the other night. I mean, 10 or 11 inside 50s is a great result. Uh, you know, he got on the end of... Basically, he, he got on the link of uh, from Goldstein giving first service to the, to the blokes in the trenches and Sean getting on the outside, even though Todd did give a couple of polypharma class palms over the back and got Sean into space so he said yeah. they all they it all generates off Todd really I reckon mate he's uh, uh Absolutely. He, he got away and got a bit of ball uh, I mean we got it into the forwards Brownwood Larkey and Thomas all cashed in uh, they were utilized properly and uh, uh you know we we do have uh, some decent forward potency when uh when we can get that forward line open and get the ball in there well, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see uh, how uh, Shaw goes with thing if he's going to be so possession-happy because uh, if we can keep it open and get it in there, uh, we're quite good. Uh, of course, playing against the Tigers this week, it might be a little bit different because they've got a very good aerial wall defence back there, haven't they? So, that was a comment made. Our game last uh, week against Essendon, I, we set up so well behind the ball... It, for, I don't know how we managed to do it, but we always, more often than not, are able to manipulate the team that we're playing against to kick it wherever we want them to kick it. We try and take away the centre corridor, so we generally try and force teams to go down the line, and then we can set up. But just looking also, you kick the handball ratio, you're not stuffing around with the ball, it looks like. You've, you've tried to speed up your ball movement, so you, you're basically, it's a basically one-to-one kick to handball ratio for you guys. Oh, yeah, it tends to be a From little bit... Tends to be a little bit over the top, I think, mate. But uh, it, it depends how we're using it, mate. The sideways, it's the metres gained, really, that converts it to. If we're getting good yeah. metres, we're getting good link-up. If it's defensive handball change, you know, the typical north sideways kick, sideways kick, handball over the top, not real good pressure, handball over the top, real pressure, another handball to get out of trouble, turnover, bang, off go the opposition. But teams press up on us because of our... Uh, we're not the most skilled side in the comp. So, you, you've, you know, it's in simple terms, you've got to get around it either by picking up yardage by running or, or kicking to targets. You know, it's a simplified way of looking at things. But, hell, I'd rather give the ball up in our forward line than give it up in our back line. Yeah, absolutely. And if you look at it, see, see you're a one-to-one kick-to-handball ratio. Well, we're nearly, nearly a um, two. So, for every kick, we have there's two handballs yeah, um, on the end of ours. Yeah, but you're a rolling mall type side, mate. You're pressure, 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 pressure. You, you, yeah. you, a lot of your stuff is, is is intelligent little underhand handballs, knock-ons, things like that. You, because you play that rolling forward game with, with the pressing behind it. And as you were talking about the Essendon game, this is your strength because you set up so well out the back that, that you lock it in forward and you like to play in your front half of the ground. If Essendon yeah. couldn't get their run through you, which I yeah. mean, I think they're pretty uh, pretty outside team. If they couldn't get their run through you, then they're buggered, mate. They got a kick. Well, you got the wall back there marking it, haven't you? Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, I think the uh, the pressure 
this week is going to be the key for us to be able to get the win over you guys. Um, because I feel like the Kangaroos are going to come out on a bit of an emotional high, I reckon. I know a lot of people have said maybe they'll come out flat um, after being up for Scott's last game. But I still think the playing for Reshaw, just to prove a point, like you said, CB, that playing for positions now, I think it's going to be a hot contest. And I reckon our pressure has to be on its absolute A game uh, to, to cause those turnovers that they're a bit susceptible to. Yep. Well... If I'll, I'll, I'll add into that. I'll buy in. Who knows how the sure factor will work? You would think the players will be stimu- stimulated by the change in surroundings, but emotional factors are unpredictable things. I hope the Scott issue brings home to a few of them the finality factor of football careers to some extent, and uh, they realise that they don't have a, a few of them anyway. Don't have a lot more time left to achieve the ultimate goal. Uh, uh, as far as, as as that type of thing goes, as regards to playing footy, we, we're not playing bad footy. It's it, it, it's our own inefficiency is our killer. It's not so much the turnovers the opposition create; it's the ones we commit to ourselves through bad decision making and bad execution. But uh, of course, Richmond uh, bring the pressure like few other sides in the competition too. So it definitely will be a factor. And what, what kind yeah, of things do you expect to see differently to try and counteract our pressure? Are you, are you the kind of team that will re- revert to that high possession game, chipping around the back half like what Collingwood and West Coast have done in the past? Well, I would certainly hope not. But again, you've got it covered on the way out normally with uh, Vlost and Asprey and, and uh, Grimes. So you, you cut that out well. I think we'll take it like we've done the last few weeks. We'll be physical. I think we're going to be very physical at the contest and try and get the ball rolling our way. But uh, there wouldn't be so much, you know, if there's a lot of hand uh, off, uh, then uh, that's an issue. I, I think we'll be out to uh, well, shut down Martin and Lynch's influence, of course. Uh, isolate the inside 50 targets from the very good aerial zone defence as much as we can. But also, I think we're going to look to get runners in behind you. We'll use Hall, Polak. Well, I think Hall will come in. Hall, Polak, Higgins, these blokes, to get in behind uh, your, your uh, press and release that way down the ground. Goldstein also, uh, which you might think is an odd person to think about, a runner out the back. But, I mean, he gets around the ground like few Ruckman, mate. So if the young blokes can't go with him... We'll look at uh, getting that done. But uh, look, for the press to work, you've got to have the ball first from uh, in the forward half, don't you? So if we're getting generating it out of the centre, it then becomes a matter of Richmond getting it up the ground. So It's a good point you make on Goldstein. I mean, we're 99% sure Soldo's going to come back in uh, to play on Goldstein. He's, he's a, bet, a much, much better physical matchup uh, from a size perspective, but obviously lacks the experience that Goldstein has. Uh, I suppose I had the same concerns when we played Hawthorne and Soldo was in, because McAvoy and Segler, I, I thought all they have to do is run forward and they're probably going to catch Soldo off guard. But to his credit, he did okay following him. Um, but that, I agree that that would be the one part of the game that Goldstein's best to try and exploit is um, Soldo's lack of accountability, just from the knowledge of the game perspective, I think, CB. Is that a fair call? Yeah, and that's where it's, it's when he pushes forward. You, you saw it again on um, Saturday night. Big Tommy Belchamp's got forward a couple of times and clunked a couple. And that's, while Rance is out, that's going to be our problem all year with these guys. Goldstein, Grundy, Dawn, those type of big blokes who know how to play forward will cause us some problems. And I expect, if you look, if, you know, if North are smart, they will, Goldstein will get forward at every opportunity to um, clunk a couple and try and hit the scoreboard a couple of times. It just yeah, makes absolutely. sense. 
Uh, what about I want to talk to you, CB, about our two wingmen, um, Brandon Ellis and Kendon McIntosh. Obviously, Brandon Ellis has been a bit of a, a whipping boy, I'll say, early on this year, and I think he rightly deserved the criticism coming his way because he wasn't in good form. He um, was proving to be a little bit of a liability, dare I say, but to his credit, after being moved from the back line back to the wing, he's really turned his form around. And Camden McIntosh is probably in career-best form on the wing, and it'd be polling pretty well in our BNF if it was done right now, I imagine. How important are they, those two plays going to be for us on Friday night? Absolutely. Um, we well, got to remember, see, North, North have got some guys who can outside spread with Hall and Pollack and those guys. So very important that um, we, we match them and, and push them the other way. Uh, the thing about McIntosh is his body work. Um, he just bullies blokes off the ball. Like he just, the only way to describe it when, it, when it's a one-on-one situation, he, he, I haven't seen him lose a one-on-one all year. He just smashes them out of the way, gets the pill and gets it our way. Um, he's been wonderful. Um, I know there's a couple of moments to feel a bit critical of Brandon in the last quarter, but that's that risk-taking that we encourage our blokes to do, switching it through the middle to get the ball through. Um, so you also laid a game-saving tackle as well. Correct, right? And, and hey, when was the last time you could say... Give, you know, Brendan Ellis is now laying game-saving tackles. That's how yeah, far he's come this season. And that was so, a big critical part of his game. So, yeah, he, he has come a long way with that. Yeah, but just gut runners, and they go all day. They're playing very good footy. Okay, but, but fellas, if I can interject there for a second, that's on the MCG. I've had a look at both of those boys this year, and they're good players. We definitely couldn't go with them in the air uh, as wingmen with our blokes, the Polak, Jermont, Hall, Higgins example, that, that type of thing. But uh, the couple of games at uh, Docklands, they haven't been too flash, I noticed. So uh, I wonder how it'll transfer the bigger spaces on the MCG. I think definitely suit them with the aerial stuff and that. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Yeah, it definitely does suit them more. The uh, other big inclusion coming back in for us, according to all reports, is the skipper, Trent Cotchen. He's missed quite a few weeks, obviously, with a hamstring injury. Uh... Dimmer said last week he's pretty much right to go, so we'll, we'll take him at his word that he'll come back in. Do, how do you see his game time on the ground, CB? Do you reckon he's going to go straight back into that midfield role that he's been doing the whole time, or do you reckon we'll maybe rest him down forward a bit more and try and ease him back into it? I think he'll just be part of the rotations, because now, now we've seen... Um, well, I guess for, for Cochin, so we're saying Soldo and Cochin in. We'll leave Lambert out for now. So yeah, Cochin the- and Soldo in, and... And we're going to say uh, Menadju and CCJ out, yeah? Yeah, I reckon that's how that's it's going to fall. Yep. Right, yeah. So Vlosten, therefore, who's been part of the midfield mix, he'll go back to cover Menadju. Um, so Costin just becomes part of the midfield forward rotations, I would imagine. They'd, ha- they'd have him on management. But if you go by what Burgie said two weeks ago, Costin had been held at 90% for two weeks, and then they pushed him at 100% for the final week before he comes back in. So he's been in a holding pattern for a while. He should be right to come back in. Um, look at a hey, suck it and see. He's been out for that long. <laughs> That's all we can do, isn't it? He, yeah. He'll, um, we just got to see how it all goes, I guess. And the other mild concern was obviously Tom Lynch had a, a corked calf towards the end of the Essendon game, didn't play the last quarter. Um, I think Dimmer, that was more of a conscious call from him than from Tom Lynch, I suppose. But Marvel being the harder surface, obviously he's going to put maybe a little bit more stress through his calf. It, if he doesn't play... What would we do there in the way of a key forward? Is he, would someone like Townsend come in? I know Chole had a good game up forward in the VFL. I think he was best on ground. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure what other option we would go with if he happens to miss. 
Um, it's well, it's either it's either it's either Callum Jones stays in and Bolter plays more forward. Um, yeah, so CCJ stays in, or, or you try and do that extra run. You know, you actually yeah, it's a bit forward danger, or you bring an extra runner in. You, you, you go caddy plays full forward, like we've done in the past, and you bring an extra on baller in to, to take the contested ball. I don't know, that, that's that's a tricky one, but I think I think Lynch will play. Um, I've, I've got no issue with that. I think um, let's face it, Saturday night was a shit house night for um, big guys anyway. Yeah. So it, it just made yeah at that stage when we took him off, we were six goals up. So they it, it almost cost well. us though because it started to become a lot drier and they they started to get more use of the ball. Well, we couldn't. We, we didn't have an exit option, did we? No. That's where Lynch, you can sort of aim at him when you're seventy out. Aim at him, and then we get a we get a contested ball situation. But it kept coming in because we just didn't have young young CCJ couldn't go with Bell Chambers for the whole game. So it nearly did, but look, they got away with it. Um, but I think I think Lynch will be fine, mate. I think it was a common sense move. Yeah. There's no point risking him. Um, not with not with Jack out now. Now someone's texted me before saying they reckon Jack. I don't know what the commentary is on 360, but. He might he might be out for longer than we think too. So, oh really? I don't Jesus. Know. Yeah, yeah. But whether I'm getting stirred stirred up or not, and, I don't know. And Snake, you mentioned before you think Hall's going to come back in. What other changes do you think might occur for you guys? Oh, I think that'll be the only change. You'll come in for Luke uh, Davies Uniac. I reckon Hall will come in. He was uh, he's a disposal and decision making was terrible. He's gone back to the reserves. Picked up 28 disposals and had eight tackles in the wet, which is a good return. And uh, you need to work on his touch and decision-making, but I think that'll be the only change for us. I think uh, the Richmond changes, uh, uh, we're going to provide the real interest here. Uh, you know, uh, Cochin does come in, and uh, what they do if Soldo comes in, does Callum Jones stay? Uh, Coleman Jones, sorry. Uh, does he stay? They're probably a bit tall. What's going yeah. on with Lynch? We'll be, yeah, I think we're just one straight up change. I think it's pretty obviously going to happen. I think all will come in for Luke Davies Uniac, who's just still working on getting his condition right. He'll be a good player, that kid. Don't worry about that, but he's just still uh, not quite up to it condition wise. Fair enough, yeah. I reckon on the surface, our changes look straightforward, like we said before, but yeah, there's probably a little bit of doubt in some other players. Um, We'll have to see how they pull up, I guess, especially with Big Tommy Lynch only training once a week effectively for, since, the, since he's been at the club, so hopefully he pulls up all right. All right, before we yeah, let you guys... To, um, Jack, Jack Graham, too, um, got through and had some touches on the weekend, went all right. So, yeah, at least he... there's another option if someone's... You know, like, I thought I thought Rioli... If we didn't have the injuries we had, Rioli might be on shaky ground, I reckon. Yeah, I was a little bit and shocked quite... to come... Oh, well, I, he was going to come back in because of the occasion. I don't necessarily agree with that sentiment, but... Um, it is what it is. Based on pure form line, he, he hasn't been the best performing small forward in the VFL. It probably should have been Dan Butler if they were going on actual form. But I I was going to make a controversial call and say, I reckon if there's a third out, I reckon it's Dan Butler in, Dan Rioli out. Because Butler's quick and he doesn't mind um, he doesn't mind uh, Eddie Ad. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see to which, which way we go. We'll have to keep an eye on that one. Yep. Right, before we let you guys go, we'll get a, a final tip for the game, including margin. Snake, I'll start with you. What's your tip, including margin, for the game Friday night? Well, your head says it has to be the Tigers, considering the rust in our new game plan and the, the unknown factor of a new coach. We're competing against a very well, well-drilled well outfit, you know, so it's a sort of a rusty side with a, with a new game plan and a new coach against a very well-drilled team. But... Uh, 
I don't think there's much difference in the respective talent on the field. However, for the sake of providing some counterpoint, I'll go with North by five points. Fair enough. Uh, CB? Now, I'll give you two tips. The first one is mine. <laughs> I think it'll be a scrappy affair. I think the Tigers will get up by about three to four goals. That's where I think it'll sit. But I did ask my 12-year-old. I said, look, you know, can you provide a tip? And to quote him, this isn't me, Snake. This is my 12-year-old son. I, I like this. is going to be five. really drastic, I reckon, that he's really throwing his son under the yep. bus here. This would be good. He's gone north of box, Tigers by 50. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> true story. Ah, yes. The uh, confidence of youth. Was that was that a proud father moment for you, CB? We both knuckles. Well, he hasn't been traumatized. Let's be frank. You know, he's only a kid, isn't he? So he's he always been around since the bad days. Yeah, yeah, uh, I reckon I reckon the Tigers buy 19 points, uh, but I think it's going to be a real hot contest early on, and it, I'm thinking we might just pull away later in the game. But yeah, I don't think it's going to be at all as obvious of a game as what people might think. So see how that pans out. Just a reminder: the game is on Friday night at Marvel Stadium, 7:50 p.m. Uh, so a nice time slot there. Make sure you get down and rug up. Uh, Snake Baker, Captain Blood, 17. Thanks so much for coming on, guys. Really appreciate it. Thank you, mate. Pleasure, mate. Uh, have a good night on uh, Friday, fellas, and uh, good luck for the rest of the year. Thanks, mate. You Thanks, too. Buddy. Till next time, go Tigers. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Richmond Big Footy Tiger Cast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and YouTube so you can follow all the roasts and toasts, the reviews and previews, and all topics Richmond. Also keep an ear out for our special episodes of interviews with past players. Go Tigers!